Welcome PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right. Well, we are at um, New York Comic Con at the Jacob Javits Center in New York City uh, with our kickoff interview today. Uh, I have the great pleasure to be talking with Milton Grieve, CEO of ICV2.com, um, a longtime analyst. You, you've got 40 years in the business. I'm going to have you talk a little bit about your background so that I don't mangle anything. Milton, thank you for being on More to Come. My pleasure. pleasure. Uh, this is your first uh, interview on More to Come. Um, uh, you're obviously... I mean, what you do at ICB2, analyzing the industry, really uh, really grinding out the hard numbers about the business, uh, allow reporters to me to look good on media. So uh, thank you if I haven't said that before. Uh, but before we go any further, and, and we want to talk about the, the, the direct market and the book market and its impact on graphic novels or vice versa, uh, but could you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background? You've been in the business a long time. I started the business in the 70s in distribution um, and uh, worked for a couple other companies. Then we started a company called Capital City Distribution in 1980. Uh, We had about 10 or 15 comic stores that were buying from us. There weren't a lot of comic stores at that time. And uh, we built it up over the years. We were the largest uh, comic distributor in the country at one point. And um, I had at our peak uh, 23 locations around the country, 700 employees. and uh, we're selling over $150 million worth of comics a uh-huh. year at wholesale. And um, we sold out to Diamond Comic Distributors in 1996. And after that, uh, I did some consulting, and then I got involved with an e-commerce.com in the late 90s. Is and that when I first started in County? Was that yes. Next Planet Over? Yes, yeah. Next Planet mm-hmm. Over. I was on their board at first, mm-hmm. and then I was the CEO there for a yeah. while. I commuted to San Francisco as a venture fund at SanFrancisco.com and sort of the peak of the dot-com era, which was a very exciting time to be in that business. And when they sold out, I um, thought this whole web thing might catch on. So uh, (laughs) I started a B2B site, which was sort of a new thing at the time. It was really all about consumers then. Um, But we started a B2B site uh, in 2001, icb2.com, which stands for Internal Correspondence Version 2. And Internal Correspondence was a magazine that we published in uh, my distribution company, and I kept the rights to that when we sold it. Uh, and that did a lot of industry analysis, the same kind of um, material we do now. And uh, so started that in 2000, and it was all about the pop culture retailer, or what now we would call the geek culture retailer, who sells across categories. They sell comics and graphic novels, they sell tabletop games, they sell merch, they sell the movie and TV stuff. And um, no uh, B2B site was really serving that type of store. And um, so that's our audience. Uh, we also publish a magazine, and um, but the website is really the heart of what we do. Mm-hmm. And one of the obviously the white paper that you do every year on the size of the graphic novel market um, that's been instrumental, obviously, to my reporting in Publishers Weekly. When I when I first uh, started covering comics, I remember uh, Douglas Woke used to write for me, and I know he used to talk to you about it, and then I did it later on, but. This is an, an annual event, um, and you, you you kind of do it also with uh, Comicron, the yes, other right. the other site. Um, so, um, uh, w- I mean, one of the things I'd I, I'd love to talk to you today about uh, you, the the last estimate of the market size, I think it was over a billion dollars. Uh, though we did go through some decline in 2017, uh, I think the direct market was down about 10 percent, something like that. 
Yeah, overall, I think it was about six and a half percent. The, the overall book, mm-hmm. book market was down a hair, a point or so, and the rest of that was in the direct mm-hmm. market. Um, I mean, are these declines significant in any way? Uh, do they tell us anything? I mean, it seems to be a very optimistic mood in the comics category, at least in the book side of it. Right. In the numbers for 2017, you saw that difference between uh, the comic stores and the bookstores, and that really is a continuation of a trend because uh, mm-hmm. the book channel has been growing faster than the comic channel for years as the graphic novel became more prominent. And also... Uh, bookstores have been doing a better job of reaching the new audiences for comics. Uh, comic shops historically have serviced an adult male audience, and bookstores reach women and girls and kids better than comic stores do, and that's one reason the uh, bookstores have been growing faster in the comic space. As far as the decline last year, whether it was significant, I'm sure if you talk to the retailers, they were down 10%. Yes, it's well. really significant. <laughs> Uh, so I do think it's important uh, just in terms of having less money to work with. Uh, as far as whether it has any long-term uh, implications, uh, there's some dispute about that. And mm-hmm. historically, when the comic market goes down, it's because of what's between the covers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And when the stories aren't as good, people don't buy them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not that easy to publish a comic story that people like. If it was, all the comics would sell <laughs> a million copies. <laughs> this uh, is true. And it's, it's a hard thing to do. And uh, companies go through creative droughts and through mm-hmm. periods when their creativity is flowering. And uh, over the last couple of years, Marvel in particular has gone through sort of a creative drought when their stuff just wasn't as popular. They changed a lot of their core characters. I think that may have been part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think if those stories had been really great uh, in terms of reaching the audience, they would have sold anyway. So mm-hmm. I always go back to it's what between the covers. Mm-hmm. And I said that there's some dispute about that and part of that is there's some people that think there's a more secular change happening uh, and uh, one question is is the superhero itch getting scratched by movies and TVs to, to mm-hmm. such a great extent that you don't have to go into a comic store for mm-hmm. it anymore mm-hmm. and I don't have the answer to that but I will note that the categories that are growing in comics and booming are not superheroes well this is true I mean it's very interesting when I first started writing um, uh reporting on comics in the book trade uh, and things were first starting to be made into movies. I mean, obviously in the book trade, you live by the notion of if someone makes a movie about a book, you're going to sell a lot of copies. But I found that many comics people, they said, ah, that's not going to happen. It doesn't sell more comics issues. Even though we have more movies grossing more money than ever before, um, it doesn't necessarily impact the periodicals. But the book collections, perhaps... There must be some crossover. Yeah. You know, I guess is the short answer. And it depends on how closely tied the yeah. story in the movie or the TV show is to a particular mm-hmm. comic uh, sequence of issues or stories. Um, so that's a big factor. How familiar people are with it. I mean, people at this point pretty much feel like they know who the Avengers are and who those well, yeah. key Marvel characters mm-hmm. are. Um, when Watchmen came out, that sold a huge number of books because nobody had ever heard of it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also it was a really great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, that, it, that's an interesting theory about uh, uh, the growth of the superhero category in movies. Uh, uh, I mean, it seems, you know, for many decades, comics could do things imaginatively that you really couldn't do on the screen. Uh, but now you can kind of, you can. I mean, right. anything you can imagine, you can come up with something that's persuasive. 
visually. Yeah, I will say the person that first promulgated that idea on our site was somebody that knows a little bit about that part of the business, which is Paul Levitz, yeah. who was the publisher at DC sure. Comics for decades. And so I have to take that as a um, pretty serious possibility. Yeah. Uh, on the book side, um, there, and in particularly in the trade, uh, on, in the traditional uh, New York City book trade, uh, there just seems to be a lot of interest in the category, in, in the graphic novel category, particularly for kids. In other areas, too, but certainly uh, kids, as new imprints continue to be opened up. So you mentioned that there are different categories that are growing, and it's not the superhero category, but it does seems to be classic genres, but in the book format, like uh, you know, YA stuff, uh, adventure, crime, um, but anything aimed at a kid, right? Or a fantasy, biographical. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, very much uh, young kids, middle grade, YA. All three of those segments of the kids market are growing. And as I say, female readers. That which sort of started with the manga boom in the yeah. mid aughts. That was sort mm -hmm. of the first huge wave of women coming into the comics and girls coming to the comics business, and that's continued. And now there's a lot of American stuff that they're buying as well. Mm -hmm. um, on the pure retail side, um, where, you know, where is comics? You hear talk about the retail apocalypse. Uh, the physical stores are being challenged now in this world of online shopping. You know, where does that, how does that impact the comics world? I think the biggest, uh, the book part of it is bigger impact than the periodical mm -hmm. side. Periodicals are cheaper, so yeah. it's tough to give a big discount on those online. Um, they require more knowledge by the retailer. Uh, so that's really sort of what the comic store's line of defense is, is that knowledge of the ability to sell the periodicals, which is a really, really tough, tough business uh, and tough for the online retailers to emulate. On the book side, uh, what publishers tell me is that the higher the price, the higher the percentage sells through Amazon. So if it's like $50, $100 collection, they might be selling 50% of their copies through Amazon. Hmm. If it's something that's you know, 15 20 bucks, they'll sell a bigger percentage through stores. Or like in the case of um, the best-selling comic in the country right now, Dogman, you know, that's like 10 bucks, And so, yeah. you know... A, a discount doesn't make that much of a difference. You know, mm -hmm. it's only a couple bucks if they get a discount online. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's very interesting. I mean, I'm curious for a book like Dog Man, which of course is going to be in every bookstore. I mean, are comic shops selling Dog Man? Are the, sure. the retailers? I mean, when they're printing three million copies, anybody can yeah, sell Dog Man. Yeah. Well, this is true. This is true. Um, I don't know. Are there any other trends out there that uh, have caught your eye about the present day market? Any? Uh, um, well, I just think you see a huge diversification of content. I mean, my one of my personal tastes run to nonfiction. There didn't used to be any nonfiction, yes, uh, mm -hmm. in comic book form, and now there's a ton of it, yeah. and it's, a lot of it's really great. And um, uh, so that's my personal interest that's getting fed by comics mm -hmm. that just wasn't possible a few years ago. And I think you're just seeing that segmentation of. Um, uh, any little subcategory you can imagine in a book that's written in text, that can also be done in graphic novel yeah. form. And I think that's where Americans are starting to learn from some of these other countries that have mm -hmm. been doing that for years. Um, at, at one of the, and, and I meant to ask you about this earlier, but maybe we can talk about it now. I mean, one of the, obviously, one of the highlights of, that you do is delivering the white paper 
and delivering uh, usually some sort of ICV2 sponsored, you know, conference at New York Comic Con. And so you're not doing it this year. Mm-hmm. And so, you want to talk a little bit about why? Yeah, sure. I think um, uh, New York Comic Con has grown to be a huge, huge, massive mm-hmm. pop culture event. And the situation here is sort of similar to what I ran into San Diego when I was, I ran a conference out there for a couple of years. And what happens is that consumer show just gets so big that it just eats everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it just, uh, everyone's time and focus is on, gee, there's going to be 250,000 people yeah. here. How do I take maximum advantage of that. So the B2B side of it, I think, is, is yeah. tough to pull off in that environment. And the Javits right now is smaller than it was a couple of years ago because mm-hmm. the north side of the building yeah, is uh, being remodeled. And uh, so there just isn't as much space. And I think that the B2B is a tough fit. Reed has been great to work with over the years. I hope to be able to do something again. And, um, you know, I'm going to explore uh, other uh, possibilities in working with Reed or standalone event or or um, working with other events to try to find a way to continue to do the live programming because I really enjoy it and I've learned so much from the speakers that we get at those events yeah. and I want to continue to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's something that I always look forward to. Um, well, uh, what does 2018 look like? Can you, uh, do you, can you hazard any guesses as far as what the book, the graphic novel market is doing right now? Yeah, sure. I think... In comic stores, it's still a really tough time for the graphic novel side because the periodical comics over the last couple of years haven't sold that well. Mm-hmm. And that means when you collect them, they still don't sell. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the superhero side of the graphic novel business is weak right now, except for the perennials. If you look at the tops of the charts, a lot of them are stuff that was published 20, 30 years ago. Uh, there's a few, you know, the Batman stuff still seems to be selling really well, you know, the occasional Marvel stuff. But the top Marvel last month in the bookstores, I think, was... Uh, stuff tied to uh, Infinity Wars. And that material was, whatever, 20 years mm-hmm. old. Um, and uh, But what is going really well, and uh, we're hitting really record numbers uh, for kids' graphic novels. Yeah. The latest Dogman, 3 million copies, uh, is just an incredible number for the comics business, the kind of numbers we haven't seen in the United States since, I don't know, the 40s, mm-hmm. early 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a really uh, great phenomenon, mm-hmm. and those young readers are going to hopefully grow up and keep buying throughout their lifetime. So we're feeding the business for the coming decades. Well, that's true. I mean, and it seems to be happening even on the um, um, uh, the, the, the comics, the tr- conventional comics industry side of the question. I mean, DC seems to be, ha- seem to have a really focused plan for uh, adding young readers' um, imprints to what they do. In, in, uh, in addition to... Um, launching imprints for the adult side of them, uh, for the book trade. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. all of their stuff is going to go into the direct market. But in my conversations with them, they seem to be quite focused on how they play in the book market. Well, I thought there was an uh, interview you did with um, the co-publishers at DC, uh, Jim Lee and Dan Didio, where they said out loud, we're a book publisher. And yeah. We're focused on the book market. Yeah. and. Uh, that was pretty dramatic because they've talked in the past about you know wanting to expand that market, but they've never said before this is our primary focus. So yeah, you got a great quote out of it. Oh, you know, I, I believe jealous. me, I was more shocked than anybody else um, <laughs> that they they were really insistent on it. I mean, I uh-huh. certainly didn't get any. I mean, I, I mean, Marvel is odd about you know talking to me, but um, uh, though I keep trying. <laughs> But um, and I mean, I've always felt that DC at least was giving an effort in the book trade in ways that I didn't necessarily always see in Marvel. But really, yeah, they seem to have a a real plan uh, to address the book trade and what they do. 
I think they're developing one. I think the biggest crime they committed or whatever was the dismantling of Vertigo, which uh, was a tremendous yeah. imprint mm-hmm. and source of long-selling uh, yeah. graphic novels. And they, when the new management took over at DC, that was something that went away, and now they're trying to rebuild it. So yeah. I think they're you know, realizing, hey, we've got to serve that market. Uh, but I will give Marvel credit. They're doing mm-hmm. a similar uh, project for a little older readers called Marvel Rising, mm-hmm. um, oh, that's which true. is a similar mm-hmm. thing. Okay, it's, uh, you that. start with the videos, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that you stream, and uh, then you develop the graphic novels and the other products afterwards. Um, I think Marvel Rising is targeted at YA. Superhero Girls is younger. That's like, I don't know, 10-year-olds yeah. probably. Yeah, in uh, tweens too. So they're both uh, both working on trying yeah. to uh, reach those younger readers, and uh, Marvel's also licensing uh, yeah. to publishers that they feel are oh, better, that's true. At, better at better than they are mm-hmm. at publishing stuff for kids. Oh, that's true, because they have the deal with the, what, IDW? Right. To produce all their kids' comics. Right. Now, right? Yeah, so. Uh, well, you're not doing your, your conferences here. What are you doing while you're here at New York Comic Con? Um, well, one thing I was involved with this week is a really exciting part of the market worldwide, which is the Korean webtoon market. I oh, helped them mm-hmm. organize a B2B event mm-hmm. uh, where they had seven of the biggest webtoon publishers from Korea come over and uh, do IP pitches, basically, for uh, American uh, television, movie, and publishing uh, executives, and uh, they tell me that in Korea, uh, webtoons are 90% of the business. Mm-hmm. Only 10% is print. Uh, so that's a huge shift from where it was 15 years ago. They had a very robust print business in the early aughts. Um, and uh, so that's a really interesting phenomenon to me. They sell individual episodes of these uh, webtoons at about 30 cents a piece, hmm. and they built up a business that on a per capita basis is about 50% larger than the United States. So. Wow. Um, I worked on that, and then I'm doing here what we always do, which is we report on the news. Um, New York Comic Con is a great place for brand activations yes. of all kinds. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, some of that's movie and TV, obviously. Some of it has a comic connection. And um, uh, so I always enjoy this show and uh, seeing what's happening in pop culture. It's a very different feel than San Diego. Uh, but there is more of that uh, big brand presence here probably than there is at San Diego. And um, so it's always fun to see what's going on with that. Yeah. Uh, well, look, um, Milton, uh, look, it's always good to talk to you. Um, you always bring a lot of information and insight uh, to the stuff you do. So thank you so much for being on More to Come. Okay, my pleasure. And um, they uh, can read what we do every day at icb2.com. There you go. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, we're back on the floor of New York Comic Con at the Jacob Javits Center in, well, I was going to say in the heart of New York City, but it's really on the west side, near the west side highway. But nevertheless, um, you know, obviously one of the biggest fall explosion of popular culture here in New York. Uh, I'm down on the floor and I'm with an, a friend of the show, Gina Gagliano, the new publishing director of Random House Graphic. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thanks, Calvin. It's great to be on More to Come. It's great to be here at New York Comic Con again for... I think the 
12th year in a row uh, that I've been here. There you go. Well, you, you, you have obviously you've been here many times, but you've been under the auspices, let us say, of another publishing house. Yeah, so recently, back this May, about four mm -hmm. months ago, I got a new job. Yes, you do. <laughs> which was very exciting. Um, Random House asked me to come and run a yeah. new imprint, which is called Random House Graphic. And Random House Graphic is dedicated to publishing kids in YA graphic novels from ages five up through YA. Mm -hmm. um, all genres, fiction and nonfiction, basically a comic for every kid who loves reading a comic mm -hmm. for every family's bookshelf love it that's what we love well um I, you know i've told you this before but i you know what i can't say it too many times uh they couldn't have picked a better more experienced more knowledgeable and capable person to run an imprint so you know they got a good deal Calvin, you're so kind to me. Thank you. <laughs> it's the truth, and you know, you know for a fact if, that I that not only do I say it, but almost everybody who know, who knows you would say much the same thing. Well, but, I couldn't have picked a better, more qualified, kinder reporter to be interviewing me. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to stop before everyone tunes out here. All right, <laughs> we're too much in love with each other. But anyway, anyway, congrats on the job, and that's why I'm here to hear a little bit more about what's going on at Random House Graphic. Obviously, it's very early in the process. Uh, but I know you've done out and you've gone out and you've made some recent acquisitions. And I'm also going to get you to talk about a little bit about what you're doing here at New York Comic Con. But let's, what have you acquired so far? Yeah, so when I started at Random House Graphic, basically I started with a clean slate. You know, so I came there and the people at Random House were like, you have this imprint. This is stage one right okay. you know so I didn't have any staff I didn't mm -hmm. have any books not only did I not have any staff or books I didn't have any systems to get anything done okay you know it this was is like, really a startup <laughs> yeah um, so I think that's awesome that yeah. I kind of got to be there on the ground floor building the whole imprint but I basically spent the four the last four months thinking about how best to be a publisher, what authors and agents to work with, um, you know, traveling around, talking to people, really getting the best sense I can of the industry. Um, and of course, part of that is signing up books, which is something I'm doing now, and cool. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so there are a few that I would love to mention. Awesome. Uh, and I'm Let's like, hear. Like, I think I'm going to start them in age order because okay. I that's how my mind organizes itself. Um, so I said that I'm doing graphic novels for ages 5 to YA. Um, so in the, in the youngest category, that 5 to 8 category, which is kind of the transition between picture books and chapter books. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's an important category because we don't want kids who are reading picture books to then come to older reading and say these books don't have pictures anymore I'm not interested so it's a category that mm -hmm. I'm really dedicated to um, I'm really excited to be working with this amazing picture book author Mika Song who is going to be doing uh, two younger reader graphic novels for me called Donut Feed the Squirrels oh that's a clever turn of phrase so that's all her. Puns are not my thing. But she right. was like, let me tell you about this pun and also food. And I was okay. like, okay, there's food involved. I'm in. Okay. Um, so the, the book is about these two squirrels who live in a park. And one day a donut truck moves to the park and they're like, 
paradise maybe here. Yes. And they basically plan a heist caper to break into the it. donut truck so that they can try donuts for their own and have something to eat other than acorns. Um, yeah, I mean, and I I love heist capers and also tiny adorable animals yes. and also food. So this okay, is like there the you go. Perfect, the perfect. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah, um, you know, and Mika just has this great brushy art style, and uh, we have a lot of amazing emails together about like the best ways that squirrels can be friends, and also like. Whether putting certain things that might be in the park into the donut might be like health hazards, um, so it's it's really good. If you go down that road, you're going to start finding a lot of problems, but that's okay. That's <laughs> yes. <It's> all right. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, in the middle grade category, I am really excited oh. to be working with uh, a best-selling author who I am a huge fan of, Lucy Nisley. Well, not just you, me too. But go on. Yeah, this She's sounds so great. So great. So she is doing her first fiction projects with me, um, a trilogy of middle grade graphic novels. The first one of them is called Stepping Stones, and it's about it's inspired by her experience um, getting some new step siblings and how she deals with that whole process. And Lucy is just so smart and fun and engaging, and writes these stories where you feel emotionally tied to the protagonist. I can't wait to be doing her first middle grade books, her first fiction books. Um, you know, I think she's just fantastic. Yeah. Great. Yeah, well, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And then another middle grade project that I'm working on is with um, Lee Dorfey-Lavoy and Veronica Agarwal. It's called Just Roll With It. And it is a middle grade realistic book about a girl who's dealing with anxiety and to cope with her anxiety she has a d20 and she rolls it to decide what she should get for lunch whether she should raise her hand in class but in the process of middle school comes up against a number of situations where this maybe isn't a good way to deal with the problem at hand and so she has to figure out some other coping strategies for herself dealing with her anxiety and dealing with school in a good way. Um, you know, this is going to be Lee and Veronica's debut. I am super excited about them. They they draw very adorable middle schoolers, and I, I think anxiety is a, an important topic that a lot yeah. of kids deal with. And I'm I'm I love the way that they're turning it into uh, a story. Um, and you know, kind of using this sort of multiple choice device as part of it. Oh, cool. Um, then in the YA category, um, this is actually the first thing I bought. It is a, um, a graphic novel by Chung Li Nguyen, and I think Chung's work is amazing. When I started my first week, I made a list of the authors that I wanted to work with, and on Friday, the, it was the Friday of Memorial Day, I was like, we have a half day. Let me just like email some of these people. And I got to him and emailed him and got this response back from his agent that was like, his book is going to auction next week. Are you interested? Okay. And then had a, an exciting random house crash course in how to buy a book. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm so excited about this book. Yeah. It's called The Magic Fish. Mm -hmm. And it's an intergenerational story about... Uh, a woman who is Vietnamese 
moves to the U.S. Uh, with her husband. They have a, a son, and she is trying to deal with becoming a a successful person in American life and negotiating her own cultural identity. While at the same time, her son, who's now in middle school, is has discovered that he's gay and is trying to figure out how to come out to his parents when he isn't confident that they understand how American culture works with this particular identity. And it's so good. Um, I had this, like, 9 to 5 meeting yesterday that I, like, snuck a copy of the script in so I could read it a little in the meeting, and I was like having tears in my okay. eyes and people were like the tear test you, yes. okay? you okay and I'm like just this meeting just what so emotional yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it really weaves in right. so, so the, the mother and the kid in this book they communicate through talking about uh, telling each other fairy tales and um, it's just like it's this wonderful like storytelling is this universal language that they communicate through and they like really love and support each other but the communication kind of gets lost sometimes and they have to figure out how to overcome mm-hmm. that and it's really good it's right, really going right. to be fantastic All right. well you, you give a good description of it yeah. and what's um, next and then uh, there's one other book that I want to talk about which is a nonfiction book mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm excited about publishing nonfiction strongly over at Random House Graphic um, so I am doing this book with Dan Knott who's a recent CCS graduate and it's called Hidden System and it's about the internet, the water system, the power system, and the waste disposal system and how they work, but also how we think about them and how that affects the way that we use them, legislate about them, lobby for things being different or changes, and how a lot of the ways that we think about all of these systems are actually metaphorical constructions that aren't relevant mm-hmm. to how okay. the systems you actually like work. Yeah. You know, so he's super smart and thoughtful and reading this book has been like such an informative and amazing experience. I keep showing it to other people in the office and they're like, I didn't know this about the internet. Is this really how it works? Like, is this like but I've been using the internet like this, but it actually works in this other way. Um, <laughs> so, now you're getting me curious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can show you a PDF of one of the chapters I, I if you want. I do. It's, Sorry, it's folks. Very... <laughs> one of the privileges of the job. It's but yes, very Yes, I get a good. sneak peeks very often. Um, yeah. And I, I was over at the 42nd Street... New York Public Library. Yes, you know, I wasn't able to get over there today. uh, But you know that was originally a water reservoir before Uh, it became a a library. Yes, I did notice that. So because we're doing this whole chapter about the water system, um, you know, you can see in uh, some of the auditoriums, like the original bricks that were in the reservoir, and people are like, why is this building like this? And I'm like, let me tell you about all that I've learned about the water system and how this works and the reservoir and the... In the now, is it book Park specifically Library. about New York, how New York City? No. No, the, the no this is, is in general. Yeah. Yeah, just curious. Yeah. So it's going to be really good, it, it, Well, it sounds like you got a great you know, initial lineup. 
So this is a very exciting yeah. to get a sneak, uh, a yeah. sneak advanced look at what you're going and, to do. And you know, there's there's more more to come. As yes, this as podcast, usual, as uh, of course is called. <laughs> um, you know, there's a few more things that I have signed up as well, and I am excited to be sending announcements into PW in the next few weeks, very and good. <laughs> you know, sharing them on Twitter and all of that sort of thing. All right. Well, look, that's really great. Well, a couple more questions here. Now, um, as you said, you, you, you know, you, you started this thing from scratch. So are you hiring people? What, I am hiring people. So right now I am in the process of hiring an editor mm-hmm. and I've just hired a designer. Um, I have oh, a marketing great. and publicity person that I'm going to be hiring probably next year, a little closer to when the books are coming out. So we're going to be a full team, which is great. And the hiring process has been really interesting. It's been a chance to kind of get inside Random House's systems and see how they work a little. Because, of course, I just started here at this company and immediately was like, okay, I need to know everything about how this company works so I can explain it to other people who I am trying to hire. Um, And talking to all these people about the jobs has been amazing too because I just get to like have these like hour long intense conversations with people (laughs) from all around the industry about like how their jobs work how they think of the industry Mm. what books they're excited about like Mm. the ways that they get information about the industry it's been very eye-opening so my my curious about your crash course and how to buy a book All for right. Random House, but yes. that apparently you figured it out. <laughs> Knock on wood, but okay. <laughs> it seems to be working alright so far. Alright. Um, but, yeah, so my, my new designer is going to start on Monday, and okay, it is um, Patrick Crotty, who you might know from Piao. Oh, that name is familiar. From yeah, where? from Piao. Oh. oh. So, oh, he's the yes. guy... I know the publisher, absolutely. Yeah. The right. guy, you know, they're Eisner nominated, Mocha yes, Society yes, yes. of Illustrators, okay. like gold medal winning Great. books. He's fantastic. He teaches at SVA, print production, right. music graph stuff. I'm super excited to have him on board with Random House Graphic, and I can't wait to see what his design sensibility and his his creative sensibility brings to the imprint. Awesome. Oh, very good. Uh, well, you know what? We're, we're right. almost out of time here, but you know what I'd love for you to do is to tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing here at New York Comic Con and your first, you know, your first New York Comic Con as, you know, the publishing director at Random House Graphic. Of course. Um, so there's a, there's a few different things going on with Random House Children's Books and Random House Graphic at the show. You know, and one of them is that we have amazing authors like Judd Winnick, Matthew Holm, who does the Baby Mouse books, um, Mark Siegel, who does Five Worlds, yeah, that's right. and your former boss, my and former the, boss, also, yeah, for a um, second. Jeffrey Brown, who does Lucy sure, and Andy yeah. Neanderthal. Um, they're all here doing panels, mm. doing signings. Um, so, yeah, can I ask, what's their relationship to these backlist authors, obviously, to the new Random House graphic? Yeah, wow. so I mean, one of the things that's great about Random House is when I started, they already had a really yeah. robust list of graphic novels compared to a lot of publishers mm-hmm. in the children's industry. You know, they've been publishing Jenny and Matt Holmes' Baby Mouse since right. the early 2000s. Yes. There's a lot of other amazing books mm-hmm. that they've done, like Jared Kosaska's Lunch Lady, mm-hmm. um, Ian Holiday and Paul Hopps' Peanut. Mm-hmm. Like, have, like, I have a whole shelf of them in my yes. office now <laughs> that I look at all the time, and it's so good. I really love one of their new books, uh, Cardboard Kingdom by Jeff Yes, Cell. yeah, actually, I've seen it. It's a fine book. Yeah, yeah. wonderful book. Um, Beautiful art. So the idea is that 
we are using Random House Graphic partially as like you know the books that I and my staff are acquiring and designing, um, but also as kind of a an outward facing marketing thing. I see. Um, so like for example, we are sitting here in the Random House Graphic booth right now, even though I haven't actually published any books yet. Um, so we we want to pull all the graphic novels under one company identity. Um, but I'm not going in and taking books away from the editors yeah. who mm-hmm. bought them, who've been working with yeah, them yeah. for years. You know, it's great that they're working with these people and of I'm course. there to help and support them in, in any way that I can with all of my, my imprints. So it just means more graphic novels at Random House than ever yeah. So before. in addition to your original list of books you're going to be publishing on a Random House graphic yes. imprint, you know, you're also, a, sort of a marketing, you know... Vehicle. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to have a dedicated marketing publicity yeah. staff person. Sounds great. You know, and graphic novels are so cool and awesome. But they one are. of the ways they're so cool and awesome is that the comics industry, the pop culture industry, works a little differently than the book industry, which we can see now because we're at a comics convention. Yeah. Like, we're, despite the fact that you, with the recording, who are listening to this are not looking at New York Comic Con with your eyes. Calvin and I are. Yes, we are. Um, You know, so thinking about that, thinking about comic stores, thinking about comics dedicated social media, you know, thinking about like comics industry museums and archives and all of that. We just want to make sure to be hitting the book market really strongly, but also all like building in all the richness of this comics market as well. Great. Well, um, just sitting here in the booth, you see you get, you're getting a running start. Um, you're selling books. That's always good. You know, usually you don't see that in the book trade too much <laughs> at, at conventions. But, uh, of course, yeah. New York Comic Con is a different kind of show. Yeah, so we're selling books. We have a photo booth. We have a um, tell-your-own-story at New York Comic Con interactive storytelling event. people wandering into your booth. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, the, the this is the Random House Children's Books booth, which yes. we have turned into a Random House graphic comics-branded booth. But the idea really behind the booth is to make it an interactive experience for kids. Yeah. You know, because that's what Random House that's Children's Book is, yeah. books is all about. And also, you know, we're excited to be bringing that to Random House Graphic, too. Well, one of the bigger kids in the booth, that which would be me, uh, got my picture taken uh, by you. So there you go. So you've got the, you've got the little kids and the big kids. Thanks, Calvin. There you go. Anyway, well, look, this is great to get a chance to talk to you here uh, in your new role. And uh, we can't wait to hear more from you and to see your books that are coming down the line. So thank you, Gina, for being on More to Come. Thanks, Calvin. I can't wait for all that either. All right. I think it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be really exciting for sure. All right.